Today, I'm going to be reading Westlandia by Paul Fleshman. This is a, a book that's r- really suitable for all ages. I mean, my uh, 10-year-old brother loves it. My younger brother loves it. I know that um, a lot of my cousins love it. So uh, I think this is going to be a great book that is definitely worth listening to no matter your age. Westlandia by Paul Fletchman, illustrated by Kevin Hawks, uh, unofficial reading. Of course he's miserable, moaned Wesley's mother. He sticks out like a nose, snapped his father. Listening through the heating vent, Wesley knew they were right. He was an outcast from the civilization around him. He alone in his town disliked pizza and soda, alarmed his mother and the school nurse. He found professional football stupid and refused to shave half his head, the hairstyle worn by all the other boys, despite his his father's bribe of $5. Passing his neighborhood, two styles of housing, garage on the left and garage on the right. Wesley alone dreamed of more exciting forms of shelter. He had no friends, but plenty of tormentors. Failing them was the only support uh, sport he was good at. Fleeing them was the only sport he was good at. Each afternoon, his mother asked what he learned in school that day. That seeds are carried great distances by the wind, he answered on Wednesday. That each civilization has its staple food crop, he answered on Thursday. That school's over and I should find a good summer project, he answered on Friday. As always, his father mumbles, I'm sure you'll use that knowledge often. Suddenly, Wesley's thoughts shot sparks. His eyes blazed. His father was right. He could use what he had learned that week for a summer project that would top all others. He would grow his own staple food crop and found his own civilization. The next morning, he turned over a plot of ground in his yard. That night, a wind blew in from the west. It raced through the trees and set his curtains snapping. Wesley lie awake, listening. His land was being planted. Five days later, the first seedlings appeared. You'll have almighty bedlam on your hands if you don't get those weeds out, warned his neighbor. Actually, that's my crop, replied Wesley. In this type of garden, there are no weeds. Following ancient tradition, Wesley's fellow gardeners grew tomatoes, beans, Brussels sprouts, and nothing else. Wesley found it thrilling to open his land to chance, to invite new and unknown. The plants shot up past his knees, then his waist. They seemed to be all of the same sort. Wesley couldn't find them in any plant book. Are those tomatoes, beans, or Brussels sprouts? asked Wesley's neighbor. None of the above, replied Wesley. Fruit appeared, yellow at first, then blushing to magenta. Wesley picked it one and sliced through the rind, the juicy purple center. He took a bite and found the taste in an entrancing blend of peach, strawberry, pumpkin pie, and flavors he had no name for. Ignoring the shelf of cereal in the kitchen, Wesley took to breakfast on the fruit. He dried half a rind to serve as a cup, built his own squeezing device, and and drank the fruit's juice throughout the day. Pulling up a plant, he found large tuber on the roots. These he boiled, fried, or roasted on the family barbecue, seasoned them with a pinch of the plant's highly aromatic leaves. It was hot work tending his crop to keep off the sun. Wesley wove himself a hat from strips of the plant's woody bark. 
his success with that inspired him to devise a spinning wheel and loom on which he wove a loose fitting rope from the stock, soft inner fibers. Unlike jeans, which he found scratchy and heavy, the rope was comfortable, reflected the sun, and offered Myrat opportunities for pockets. His schoolmates were scornful, then curious. Grudgingly, Wesley allowed them ten minutes apiece at his mortar, crushing the plant seeds to collect the oil. The oil had a tangy scent and served him at both as suntan lotion and mosquito repellent. He rubbed it on his face each morning and sold small amounts to former tormentors at the price of $10 per bottle. What happened to your watch? asked his mother one day. Wesley admitted that he no longer wore it. He had told time by the stock that he used as a sundial, and he had divided the day into eight segments, the number of petals on the plant's flowers. He adopted a new counting system as well, based likewise upon the number eight. His domain homed many such innovations he named Westlandia. Uninterested in traditional sport, Wesley made up his own. These were designed for a single player and used many different parts of the plant. His spectators looked on with envy. Realizing that more players would offer him more scope, Wesley invented other games that would include a schoolmate's games, rich with strategy and complex scoring systems. He tried to be patient with other players' blunders. August was unusually hot. Wesley built himself a platform and took to sleeping in the middle of Westlandia. He passed the evening playing a flute. He fashioned from a stock or gazing up at the sky, renaming the constellations. His parents noted Wesley's improved morale. It's the first time in years he looks happy, said his mother. Wesley gave them a tour of Westlandia. What do you call this plant, he asked his father. Not knowing its name, Wesley had begun calling it Swiss, from the sound of its leaves rustling in the breeze. Like In like manner, he renamed his new fabric, games, and food until he created an entire language. Mixing the plant's oil with soot, Wesley made a passable ink. As the, final to his summer, as the finale to his summer project, he used the ink and his own 80-lettered alphabet to record the history of his civilization's funding. In September, Wesley returned to school. He had no shortage of friends. If you like this story, make sure to, sh- to share it with your friends. And remember, you can listen to it again and again and again. See you next time.